In a world where mental health problems are used as common tropes in various forms of storytelling, therapist Ryan Engelstad and executive producer Mike Graham try to determine what lines up with real life and what is just exaggerated fantasy. Listen as we delve into the fantastical tales told about mental health in books, movies, and television. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad. Here, subbing in for Mike Graham, is Dean from Podscure. Dean, thank you so much for joining us here on Pop Psych 101. Oh, it's completely my pleasure. I mean, I, I've, you know, followed you guys for a while now, uh, I, you know, with Podscure. And, we, you know, we interviewed you what, last year or something. It's, it's been a while. Uh, yeah. but you know, we love what you do and, uh, we, you know, while we want, we definitely want Mike to get back to his fighting weight, <laughs> we, <laughs> we, uh, you know, I, it's so important what you guys are doing that, uh, I, I want, I really want to help in any way I possibly can. And so, you know, I'm, I really thank you for having me here so that I can help out with, with any way, anything you need me to do. <laughs> Well, we definitely appreciate that. And yes, definitely a big shout out to Mike um, and his wife, Bree, um, who are going through a lot mm -hmm. right now. Um, we're thinking about you guys. I hope you're taking care of yourselves and each other. And we can't wait to have you back if and when you're ready. But in the meantime, we want to keep having conversations about mental health. So um, in a little bit, we're going to start talking about Fleabag, which is an incredible show. And we're going to talk about some of the interesting uh, mental health pieces of Fleabag. But before we do that, Dean, uh, Mike and I often kind of talk about mental health things that I find or things that are in the news. Yeah. So I had bookmarked myself this article recently. I wanted to get your thoughts on it because I thought it was interesting. Sure. Um, I am obviously a big proponent of strategies that help people improve their behavior or change their behavior for positive ways. Mm -hmm. So there was an article recently on Lifehacker um, that essentially, you know, you would think if you're trying to motivate yourself, um, to change a behavior that, you know, think of rewards, think of things you would want to do, um, you know, oh, I'll give myself a piece of, uh, uh, a food I really like. I'll let myself eat something that I like, or I'll give myself, you know, I'll let myself listen to my favorite, uh, podcast pops like one one when I'm, when I'm at the gym, um, cause I'm sure people are doing that. Exactly. Um, and, you know, stuff like that. And it turns out that those sort of, um, you know, pseudo rewards are not super effective. I, I imagine huh. that, that, that might not surprise you. Well, I, I mean, it, it does and it doesn't. I mean, it, it's, I, I, you know, I've, I've done that as well. You know, I quit smoking February, oh, sure. yeah, February of last year. And, you know, it was kind of like those things where you say, okay, I'm going to, if I can quit. I'll have enough money to do. I don't even remember what, what the hell it was now. Sure. <laughs> but it, was, it was that kind of thing that, you know, it was kind of, you know, it's the, the self coaching, I guess, in a way. So yeah. to, to get you where you need to go, I mean, it's, you know, whether it's exercise, you know, if get up this next mm -hmm. hill, what, what have you, uh, yeah. I think it's just a way to pump yourself up, like, you know, working out, listening to some really, you know, some ACDC or whatever, just, <laughs> you know, those types of things to get your energy going. So, I can, I can, you would see, you would think that that would help, but I can, I, it's not surprising to hear that though. Right. So the, the other side of this though, is what they found is that crappy rewards 
like uh, giving yourself a sticker on a piece of paper or a check mark <laughs> on a calendar are actually very effective. Really? Which I find fascinating because, <laughs> um, you know, what what's rewarding about a sticker on a piece of paper or a check mark on a calendar? Um, and what they found is it actually creates what we in the in the therapist world call cognitive dissonance. It's like, well, if I'm working out for this crappy sticker, like kind of what's the point? But it's like, oh, no, I actually have to justify this stupid reward. So I'm just going to keep doing it because otherwise it, it feels like, well, what's what's the point of this little thing? But then we have to sort of justify the little thing being important. So uh, there's a famous uh, strategy called don't break the chain. This is um I don't know if it was originated by Jerry Seinfeld, but he's like a proponent of it if you read, if you look it up. And what he did every day is that he wanted to write his jokes. So to form that habit, he took out a big desk calendar and every day he wrote his jokes, he gave himself a check mark on the calendar. And the goal would be to not break the chain of check marks, to make sure you get a check mark every single day. And this is that same idea that that really simple, small reward is actually kind of weirdly motivating. So I don't know. Do, do, we, do you buy that? Well, it's, it's not surprising that that would, I mean, cause it, I think it kind of goes back to that thing when you're kids and, you know, you get, you know, you get the gold star for the day. And I think, you know, that's, you have some, I think yeah. there's some good correlations, uh, that you have in your head to those times when, when you did a good thing and you got a, a sticker. So maybe that's what it harkens back to. Yeah, yeah, sort of taps into something from, from childhood. Yeah. I bet, I bet I would believe that as well. So yeah, um, Funny things to play with. If you're trying to change a behavior, uh, if you're trying to practice better self-care, you know, experiment with giving yourself a <laughs> quote-unquote crappy reward and see if that uh, see if that helps. And with that, let's get into Fleabag, Dean. This is a oh, fascinating, it's, fascinating show. It's like, I don't even know how to quantify it. It's so different. It's, I mean, it's friggin' hilarious, number one. Number two, it's really freaking yes. deep. So, I mean, there is, oh, there's so much. I mean, deep it's, and dark. And very, very British all the time. And, and I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, let's set it up for people if people haven't seen it before. So, um, Fleabag, I think, started in 2016 mm -hmm. on the BBC. Um, it has had two seasons now, and now all the seasons are available Correct. on yeah. Amazon Prime. I know that's how I watched it. Um, and so it, if you had to describe it just based on the characters, oh, how would you um, describe this show? A, a funny, I, I want to say funny, a, a humorous take on working through grief and family dysfunction. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of family dysfunction. <laughs> yes. I think that, that'll be a good opportunity for us to talk about this. I mean, um, we here at Pop Psych have talked about grief before, but it was, I think, through the context of Spider-Man. So this is a, a very different, uh, a very different presentation. Um, so we have the main character who, as far as I can tell, only goes by Fleabag. Her name is never actually mentioned right, in the yeah. show that and I she, caught. Yeah, and I was looking up the trivia about it, and yeah, and she she came up with the idea to do it as a like you have ten minutes to come up with something, and she for I think it was for Edinburgh Festival, yeah, because she is a comedian. Uh, in her own right and yes. created this and we character say, we should Fleabag. say her name is phoebe waller bridge phoebe waller bridge yes and she was she was one of the uh because you know they recently and I, I recently listened to the doctor who episode because i'm a big whovian uh yeah <laughs> and uh she was one of the ones in the in the final cut 
to be the new doctor. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you could could totally see it. Yeah. As was godmother in this, Olivia Coleman, who is brilliant. She is. (laughs) So, yeah. So we have this main character uh, who goes by Fleabag, uh, sort of Mm -hmm. informally. (laughs) um, And we know from the sort of setup of the show that she has lost her best friend and business partner. Um, And in the sort of setup of the show, we have this sort of weird explanation of how she died and why she sort of killed herself is sort of the way right. that it's um, yeah, introduced. That, right. That she was, she was, it was more like uh, a su- I don't know what you, what's the term when you, you pretend like you're going to go through with it. Uh, it's not uh, yeah. suicide. It's a, more than suicidal. Gesture. It's a gesture. Yeah. 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 So yeah. she makes a, a gesture that actually ends up working out. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's uh, there's some really heavy stuff around that that uh fleabag is really dealing with yeah so we see her you know navigating some of these aspects of grief and loss and in the meantime you know navigating her own dysfunctional family so it's a it's a lot of different aspects of mental health in this show that we wanted to cover we're, we're not gonna be able to cover both seasons and all the ins and outs of all the different character interactions with fleabag but i think there are a couple things from the two seasons that we do want to talk about so uh dean as you you know watched fleabag and probably rewatched it right what's what's one of the one first things that maybe jumped out to you uh just how uh, I mean, even though she was really charming and funny, uh, that she she owned it. I mean, yeah, her, yeah, her, yeah. Her, her her brokenness and that, in fact, and that what I was telling you about before is that, that I have a clip of here that where she wants to really confront her dad about it. And you mm-hmm. can know, you know, there's something that's been building up. And this is just in episode one. That's where, right. Where she she's drunk and has had. I don't know how many times she's had sex that day because that's another way she's coping with, that's <laughs> with right. her grief. Yeah. But then, uh, but then she goes and she has a she 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 has a fuck it moment. Gets in the cab and goes to her dad's and has this this uh, interaction with him. You know, it's nearly two o'clock in the morning. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I don't wanna. I'm gonna. It was. Oh, fuck it. I have a horrible feeling that I'm a greedy, perverted, selfish, apathetic, cynical, depraved, morally bankrupt woman who can't even call herself a feminist. Well, um... You get all that from your mother. And I don't know if dad is just trying to... Uh, I, I don't know what his intention with that is. I mean, her reaction to that is good one, but it's, I mean, that's a very British type of thing to hold all that in. I mean, yeah. the stiff off her lip. That's all. Yeah, that's so I all think that that that's from. a really good place for us to start with this show is that the way yeah. that um, Fleabag and, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge um, sort of portrays herself with the breaking of the fourth wall, the talking to the audience, talking to the camera, I mm-hmm. thought it was an, just an awesome way to to give an audience sort of clues into what her emotional experience was without um, over-exaggerating, I think, from a character perspective. Like, they, they told us without having to show us. Is that, 
And, and I, because I think yeah. what happens sometimes yeah. in how people portray mental health on screen is that a lot of times depression, anxiety, grief, and things like that are very subtle. Everything's kind of happening internally, right? So, so right. to have right. a character totally. who talks to the camera, talks to the audience, and can kind of give little asides to like, this is what's going on inside of my head, this is what I'm thinking about, or the little sort of blinks, the flashes of of Boo, of her, her deceased best friend, that mm. I just think it's a, a really genius way of portraying the sort of fragile and, and broken in some ways nature of Fleabag's mental health. Yeah. She, uh, she's got very poignant views through each time. I mean, even just through a look, yeah. breaking the fourth wall. She mm -hmm. doesn't even have to say anything. There'll just be a look. Yeah. And you know exactly what she's trying to relate. And, and it seems like, especially in this first season, she's just trying to find a hand to hold on to. I mean, if you look at her, her relationship with her sister, which is probably her closest relationship, it's so frigid. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and that, I mean, even after they have their feminist lecture, which dad pays for all these weird things, like mm -hmm. to send them feminist, feminist lectures, breast exams, uh, silent retreats, <laughs> I mean, all these things that he pays to send them to, which are very odd for a dad to send somebody to, in my opinion, being yeah, a dad. Yeah. I, I can't see myself doing that. But I mean, if I was asked, sure. But <laughs> just those things that uh, that that she goes through and w w dealing with her sister, she try there's the sister trying to even make a connection because she's having a hard time. Yeah, her, she goes to hug her and they she ends up slapping her. <laughs> yeah, violent reaction. Yeah, right. And so yeah. it's just like, it's like why would you do that? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a great question. I think we see multiple different character perspectives on how they're coping with grief, right? Because I don't even think we mentioned that um, Fleabag and uh, Claire's mom also mm -hmm. passed away when they were young, though. Right? I couldn't get a sense of exactly how no, old they well, were. No, they were they were, uh, they were they were adults when when mom passed away because okay, they, they go through the, they 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 uh, they do the uh, they kind of reflect back to the funeral. Uh, I must have forgotten. Uh, that. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's a, the reflection back to the funeral. So this is just probably. Yeah, been right. two or three years is okay. my guess somewhere so in that the room. fact that they've lost their mom recently um mm -hmm. and then fleabag obviously loses her friend tragically um you know a lot of times in grief and loss if if it's a quote-unquote negative reaction sometimes that's born out of these previous experiences that we've had um right. good bad or indifferent um and there was also one one scene in particular where is sort of really connecting to this like what's the right way to grieve is uh, Fleabag and Claire are in a graveyard um, and right. there's, and they, they see a guy at a grave just like wailing, like losing it. And right. Claire kind of is, is like almost relates to him like, oh, that's, that must be so difficult. And Fleabag is immediately like, that's not real. Like he's just kind of making it up or he's just going to grave to grave. Well, he's, yeah, and, well he is, he's, at, oh, he's also at a different I think he, I think he, he's he's searching for some kind of validation for himself. Sure, but I think what she's right because he's a he's he's at a different grave site every day. Right. So <laughs> she like, she is right. You jog think... <laughs> here every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so she is right in identifying that, but it's this reaction of that that sort of intense emotional reaction isn't real or isn't appropriate. And I think right. that what we see from these characters is that there's no one right way to grieve is that everyone right. is just sort of trying to figure it out as they go oh yeah like we all are so yeah <laughs> it's it's a there's 
if there was a if there was a book that said this is how you get through it, I mean, you know, I mean, you'd be out of a job. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, there are books like that, but that doesn't mean that they've that, that they, they totally solve the problem, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, if they make a if they make a Shulton's Guide for the Human, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a uh, it's yeah, it's crazy how the mind works, and uh, <laughs> lack of a better term. Uh, that, you know, we all have our own way. We got to choose yeah. our path and what yeah. works for us. And, you know, my path is different than yours and that's sure. okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, what, what we see with Fleabag is that she sort of recognizes over the course of the two seasons that the way that she's coping or attempting to cope is like at best unhealthy, at worst, right. like dangerous. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and she relishes that a little bit. A little the, the bit. Danger well, yeah, yeah. There's this. There's this. Um, and I'm in. And you, you sort of touched on it at the beginning, where she just kind of wants to laugh and make light of just about everything. Right. And I've had uh, patients like this, and and they they know it's like, yeah, I just make a joke about everything, even you know if it's the saddest thing that's ever happened to me, I'm gonna make a joke about it. <laughs> um, and it's and it's both hard. And refreshing. It's mm. like this weird balance of, you know, are you are you actually handling this okay, or is this just the sort of defense mechanism? Yeah, I well, and I, so I don't I, know if that's something uh, that, very, that, that you can relate to. I mean, yeah. Oh, I could very much relate to it. I mean, I <laughs> even with sessions with my therapist. Shout out to Amy Alpine. She's awesome. Uh, but uh, yeah, she 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 will go with it, but she definitely keeps me on track. She's got some yeah. good humor for me, and but she'll. You know, when she sees me trying to deflect, which, you know, that's, I mean, that's, bit, I mean, what I, what I like it to is I heard something that, it, you know, you spend 40 years getting into a forest, you're not getting out in two. Exactly right. <laughs> so I, uh, so yeah, it's, but so the only thing I feel I can do sometime, you just, you just got to laugh at it. Otherwise you cry. So, I mean, and I do plenty of crying as it mm -hmm. is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, uh. I feel that big time. I mean, you know, just, I gotta, I gotta laugh it off. Yeah. Otherwise I will just be so uh, in my, in myself. Well, yeah. And it's funny that you say that. Cause there was, um, there was a really powerful scene when, uh, Fleabag and, and Claire are, are, is Claire, right? I'm not screwing up her yeah, sister's Claire. name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what I, yep. Um, when Claire are at this sort of silence, mindfulness retreat where, mm. um, Fleabag is sort of like periodically interested in what's happening at a better men retreat that's happening <laughs> on the same grounds. So that was also really, really funny. Um, oh God. And yeah. there's, there's one scene where she and a man who she knows from a previous uh, episode um, have this connection, this really honest connection about yeah. why they're trying to make improvements. or why they're trying to change themselves and Fleabag actually says, I just want to cry all the time. And at that point in the, the sort of uh, first season, it feels like the most honest thing that she's said up to this point of like how real her grief actually is, that she wants to cry all the time and that everything she does is sort of an attempt to hide or uh, shield herself from that emotional experience. Totally. I mean, I think and I think that's what. She, why she has that interaction with her dad. She, it's not that she is, is having, it's, this is the first time she's able to find someone who she can have the interaction with. I mean, yes. she's tried it with her dad. She's tried it with her sister and she's not getting that. And, and boo is gone. Who's yep. been that outlet. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was her, her, that was her, her anchor. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, 
Yeah. And so they had, they, they were, they were, that was a beautiful relationship between mm-hmm. she and Boo. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, interested to see how the, when, you know, when thir- season three comes about, how she ends up addressing that, uh, you know, coming to grips with what has happened. I don't know if we want to go into the spoiler of that, but. Um, well, yeah, I think it's inevitable that we're going to. So we'll just say spoiler alert at this point, right. because we're we're going to get into some of the the sort of big aha moments um, from this series. Um, so we don't necessarily have to jump right into that um, because, you know, one of the other things that I wanted to talk about is this sort of silence retreat in general. So, you know, we mm-hmm. have um, a character in Fleabag and, and her sister, obviously, to the same extent that are trying to cope trying to better themselves trying to survive and one of the things that is i believe purchased for them by their father is this silence retreat this mindfulness retreat so these are things that happen in real life um Mm -hmm. and i imagine that for some people it's probably weird and and um just seems like a really hippie thing to do to go to a retreat like this so people might be wondering like how real is this sort of an experience is this something that people actually benefit from um, I don't know what your reaction, how, how much exposure you have to, to things like this. Oh, no, I, I've never had a re- uh, anything like that. I mean, what I found odd about it personally was that it was allowing the men to be violent to uh, women <laughs> icons and keeping yeah. women silent. So it was like, that's the opposite of what I felt it should have been, <laughs> you mm, know, yep, empower yep. the women. Shut up, guys. <laughs> right, 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 right. Or learn learn how to control yourselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it was a really interesting sort of um uh dichotomy, like these two opposites that are happening at the same time. But yeah, for me, you know, because this, this whole idea of mindfulness is very much in vogue um in the sort of mental health world where it's just like, oh, just you know, be quiet. And I think even at one point in the retreat, um, one of the leaders says something like, um, you know, getting into your mind prison or something like that, like pris- <laughs> imprisoning your thoughts. And I had such a strong reaction to that because that is not uh, my definition of mindfulness at all. Um, yeah. And I think it's actually a pretty harmful one. I think that the idea of being trapped in with your thoughts doesn't really feel helpful uh, to me. Um, and, you know, silence retreats uh, have their own sort of... Um, mixed bag of benefit but you know well i guess maybe i can ask you this dean like what is your exposure or familiarity with mindfulness well it's just really sitting down and uh for me anyway yeah you know contemplating myself and how i deal with my surroundings my people my people and my yeah. work etc those types of things and and you know studying it's studying myself and what's in my mind and how i work with my reactions to things. Can I do something better? How should I do that thing? Um, so that's really what it is. It's a, it's a study of oneself and to, to come up with a new, uh, you know, do I need a new way or am what is mm. what I'm doing? Good. That's, yeah. That's so increasing the sort of self-awareness. Yeah, no, I, that's, right. that's well said. I think for me, the, the distinction that I want to make from, from the show is that, you know, we're not looking to imprison anyone with their thoughts. We're actually looking to um, sort of increase the, and this is going to sound sort of hoity-toity, but like the flow of those thoughts. We don't want people to get stuck in any thought because 
um, for someone like Fleabag, who's obviously very much stuck in the memories and pain of the loss of her friend. Um, her thoughts are not flowing. She gets stuck and then, um, you know, does something impulsive to kind of distract herself. So with a mindfulness practice, she kind of gets in touch with some of those emotions, recognizes what she's experiencing, what she's feeling, and lets those feelings sort of resolve or pass in a natural way instead of just sort of trying to ignore or pretend it's not happening and then distract herself with something impulsive or in several cases unhealthy. So instead of picturing it like a prison, more like a, a uh, stream of consciousness where the, th- the thoughts are going to flow freely and you don't have to hold on or stop any one of them because new thoughts and new pieces of awareness will always come by. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, you know, it's kind of that uh, it, there's a there's a right time for maybe either of those. Uh, and, and, and again, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about. Everybody has their own path. Yes. What works and what doesn't work. It's that kind of that, the towel of you. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So, so it's, uh, it's not, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to smash it if it works for you. If it works for you, awesome. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but, and, and we would be, we'd be gentle in smashing it, but I think there's a consensus that what Fleabag is doing to work it or make it work for her is, is, pretty unsuccessful at least she has some definitely unhealthy coping i mean i i mean uh, the <laughs> the amount of just random sex i mean and and i and i and i and if whether she's male female or non-binary what have you i i it just feels like there's no rhyme or reason to it and i if you're i so i don't want to i don't want to prejudge anybody just because i don't i'm not judging her because of that uh, you know the oh the yeah no, okay. i'm definitely yeah. not doing that uh so of course i definitely want to say that she's dealing with her emotions via just having sex instead of having sex just for pleasure uh, you know that's what, right so know, there's, it's, there's it's, nothing it's wrong a, with it's a having it's a you know we're not judging multiple partners we're not judging all these sorts of things like right. to each their own but I think we're trying to recognize exactly. that this behavior that that Fleabag is is uh, involved in, which feels like specifically to distract her or, or help her feel something other than what she's feeling, which might be wanting to cry all the time, that that yeah. is not a an effective coping skill for what she's dealing with. Um, and she, to a certain degree, recognizes that. Um, but despite that recognition, sort of continues uh, indulging more or less in these behaviors. Um, and if we were yeah. to look at sort of where she is in the sort of, you know, stages of grieving, um, it's so interesting. So we have, you know, the denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. She's definitely not accepted. We, we She's no. not done with the, the stages, right? Um, at times, she's pretty clearly depressed, whether it's just saying things sure. like she just wants to cry all the time, you know, to the extent that she's angry. And this is the sort of... Um, spoiler alert part is is anger at herself right she sort of right. in men in ways like hates herself because of the things oh, yeah. that she does or, or has done right or you know i mean even though it's she was she has some culpability <laughs> yeah well <laughs> and, right yeah right. so i mean and yeah i mean it's not just sex i mean like i mean just in, in like episode one she's like you know <laughs> she just screws up from time and time again you know uh you know hooking up with a guy on the bus and then steal uh her sister's stolen top so she steals things oh as yeah well all the yeah time. yeah yep. so, 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you know, and you know, and just she's very manipulative, uh, especially with Harry, her 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 boyfriend. Yes, her ex boyfriend, ex boyfriend, boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's there's a lot of things that she does, uh, you know, whether it's and I love how the, the sculpture kind of plays throughout the entire series. You know. It reappears and it reappears, yeah. Right. Uh, so, uh, and then just that that there's so much, you know, <laughs> she's with Harry and she she she's bored and she while she's having sex with him, masturbate. <laughs> you know, it just and that almost basically so, pushes him away. Right. Yeah. 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 Just so let's get this over with. I, I mm-hmm. just want to find my. I just want to get out. And, and then she just passes out. And yeah. So yeah, it's just so she just has some very unusual and definitely what seems to me unhealthy coping mechanisms for what she's done especially in season one right Uh, go ahead yeah well no i was gonna say and if we were to sort of take a look at that and and psychoanalyze or overanalyze you know and and to the extent that this uh sort of pattern happens for a lot of different people not the not necessarily the sex part but the sort of trying to find a sense of normalcy or a sense of control after a loss like the one that um fleabag has experienced (coughs) is pretty common because if you think about from a just a a broad perspective when a family member or significant other or even close friend in the case of fleabag business partner passes away you go from everything being sort of normal to the extent that it's normal to everything being completely different not necessarily good or bad but just oh now my life has you know completely flipped my business partner's right. not here my friend my confidant um i mean they often portray the relationship between fleabag and boo as like a very loving one oh, like yeah. almost as if they were partners right exactly that's kind of how i felt uh you know initially watching that is that yeah. what that is that what's going on but no they're just they're, they have a very intimate friend relationship yes so in this sort of aftermath, we see Fleabag essentially trying to, you know, establish a new normal, whether that's establish, find a relationship that she's happy in, you know, rebuild family connections that, that can sort of uh, cover up what she's lost in losing Boo. You know, I think the the sense that I see in her relationship with her sister is very much, you know, she's trying to grab onto something despite oh, yeah. sort of seeing her sister as someone who's sort of uptight and difficult to connect with. She wants to connect with her. She does. And she loves her sister. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it, she has this adoration for her. And I think she kind of envies, you know, her, you know, wishes she had some of that. I mean, you know, she's got she's got her sister has Martin, who's really not a nice guy. And. Brett Gelman is a great actor and is always good at playing the asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and he's the, uh, so far the only American in the series. But, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's and there's weird, creepy thing. I mean, the, her, his son and uh, that whole thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's just yeah. so much. I'm like, how do you cram this much dysfunction in this one family? It's just nuts. I mean, and then not only is she getting over or trying to grieve about Boo, but she's still not gotten over her mother. Oh no! Yeah, that that's very clear. <laughs> so it's like yeah. it's double wham. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's for you know, and I think that's kind of why she's definitely trying to reconnect with Claire and yeah. and get and you know be, be 
she needs a she needs a unit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, right, and and we sort of think about it in this sense: something to ground herself in, something to anchor herself in, because Boo was such a strong anchor for her, mm-hmm. business wise, friendship wise. That without that, she's just sort of floating around, bouncing from person to person, trying to find something that gives her some sense of comfort, some sense of reassurance, some sense of love. I mean, you know, we 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 know she doesn't. Um, feel great about herself for various reasons and then i think um not having the sort of um universal acceptance that boo gave her um that even you know when she was sort of weirdly uncomfortable and giving her the guinea pig like that's turned into this huge (laughs) powerful connection between them yes um that you know that she got that sort of unconditional love and acceptance from boo that um she doesn't really feel anywhere else right yeah, it's uh, it's that that whole uh, the 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 guinea pig is she still hold she still holds it like you know mm-hmm. this is the, the Boo's soul is in this you know yes. and, and yes. even you know at the uh, where the uh, the guy comes and gives her it's uh, it's a hamster but he says yeah. it's a guinea pig but you know it's kind of that there's some some additional validation there for her you know you know especially going from. One to two, where two where she's really saying, "Okay, this I'm going to start doing something healthy," and yeah. it's like you know you were re- you were rooting for, her. and yeah. then came and then came the priest. And, so right, so yeah, so yeah. so we'll 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 uh, sort of bookend that, and we're going to come back to some yeah, of the guilt and things. <laughs> yeah, because so the end of season one, it's revealed that. Uh, Fleabag, sort of the impetus for um, Boo, you know, following through with the suicidal gesture, which ends up, unfortunately, she does uh, die from what she does, um, is that Boo actually slept with the guy that she was seeing. Right. I'm sorry. Uh, Fleabag Fleabag slept with the guy that Boo was seeing. Correct. And when that's revealed, it's... Yeah, it's it's very like, whoa, you didn't... I, I mean... Even though all the even all the stuff that Fleabag has done, mm-hmm. you never would think because yeah. of her relationship with Boo that she would have ever do something like this. Yeah. So it, yeah. yeah, it was it was that was definitely a, a very surprising to me. So yeah, it, it's both surprising and and it also sort of really clears up a lot of the things. It, it's, things start to make a little bit more sense. It's like okay, oh oh oh, so actually this is a lot of guilt and this is mm. a lot of. Um, sort of ownership that Fleabag carries over the the loss of her friend that she feels in some ways responsible for what played out. And we don't necessarily see her saying that. She doesn't say that to uh, the the counselor she sees in season two. Um, But we know it. So we see and we we know this stuff is under the surface for her. And that's that's just, I mean, dealing with grief and and loss is hard enough if, if you're also carrying a sense of responsibility for that person's essentially right. death that's a whole different layer of but yeah of i think to overcome yeah but i mean and she could have and i think she knew that she was couldn't do anything like i mean because she could have with martin martin right you know martin had come on to her and she had a she had a bit of a moment a friend moment with martin yeah uh, shopping for sis's birthday yeah, and yeah. uh it was uh you know you thought oh maybe things will get good but no they mm-hmm. didn't and then martin's a creep and <laughs> yeah no. and and, and you know, she didn't let it happen and she could have, she could have easily mm-hmm. let it happen. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, you know, I think that was kind of the turning point for her. Mm-hmm. 
So then uh, we're into season two, and we we finally see a interaction between Fleabag and a counselor. She she was got a voucher for one session from her father. Right? That yes. was uh, yes, from her father because of the outburst at the party. Yeah, yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> right, which we which we glossed over. So um, yeah, Fleabag uh, hauls off and and gives uh, gives Mark, her sister's Martin. husband. Yeah, Martin, yeah. a a a good beating, more or less. Oh yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so, and that that sort of then leads us into season two, in which um, there's some legal things happening and obviously relationship things happening. But but I wanted to talk about the therapy session because I thought it was so fascinating and and very British is is sort of oh, what yeah. my assumption is. And Fiona Shaw, who plays the counselor, uh, Aunt Petunia from Harry Potter, if yep. you may mm-hmm. recognize, uh, yep. she was brilliant. So why have you come to the session? Uh, it was a birthday present for my father. Is that a joke? No. It would be good not to make jokes in here, just in case anything gets lost in humorous translation. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> Is that a joke? No. Well, just try not to make it very obvious. Sure. So why do you think your father suggested you come for counselling? Um, I think because my mother died and he can't talk about it. And my sister and I didn't speak for a year because she thinks I tried to sleep with her husband. And because I spent most of my adult life using sex to deflect from the screaming void inside my empty heart. I'm good at this. Although I don't really do that anymore. You close with your family? <laughs> we get on with it. Do you talk? God, no. Any friends? Sorry? Any friends? Um, no, I don't really have time for... Well, I'll have a guinea pig, but she blows hot and cold. <laughs> Not a joke. Tell me about the sex. <laughs> All of it? You said you don't do that now. Oh, no, I just play tennis now. Tough crowd. Sorry. I just... Sex didn't bring anything good so i'm i'm trying not to but i've and what have you found in your abstinence well i'm very horny and your little scarf isn't helping so the impulse is still there oh yeah the the impulse is the impulse is very much still there it's just never the right person mm-hmm. so there is a particular person you're not having sex with no. no. Well, nothing's happened. I just... He's not available. In a relationship? Yes, a bad one. No, really. How so? It's a sort of relationship where one partner tells the other how to dress. Are you in love with him? <laughs> Why do you find that funny? Well, I... I lie. I just... I don't... No. Just not romantic? No. Just... A girl with no friends and an empty heart. By your own description. I have friends. Oh, so you do have someone to talk to. Yeah. Do you see them a lot? Oh, they're... (laughs) They're always there. They're... They're always there. (laughs) 
Why do you find that funny? Listen, I don't need to be analysed. I have a nice life. I just, I just wanted to exchange the voucher for the money. It's a bit late for that now. I've only been here five minutes. I want the money. I want to fuck a priest. Catholic? Yes. A good one? Yes. Looks good in the... Uh... Mm, yes. I understand. Do you really want to fuck the priest or do you want to fuck God? Can you fuck God? Oh, yes. But just, just please tell me how to not fuck a priest before I get arrested. Well, I don't think fucking a priest will make you feel as powerful as you think it will. Can you just tell me what to do? You know. You already know what you're going to do. Everybody does. What? You've already decided what you're going to do. So what's the point in you? You know what you're going to do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. I don't. You do. I don't. You do. I don't. <laughs> Good luck. Thank you. Shut up. <laughs> it cuts to her. She, yep, she knew. <laughs> Man, what a brutal therapist. Uh, not not bad, just brutal, no. like, straight. Uh, she She calls her to her face. A girl with no friends and an empty heart. I don't think I could ever get away with saying that to a patient. Um, probably because I'm not old and British. I think most of my, my patients would just walk out. But it's it's fascinating because I think that this is sort of a portrayal of a, of a therapist that a lot of people, if you ask them to picture a therapist, that they might picture this kind of person. A, a older lady, fancy scarf, um... A little severe, um, mm-hmm. not in a bad way, but just like I'm here, um, a little confrontational. And look, there are definitely therapists like this, but I, I don't know. I don't know. And Mike and I have talked about this on the show before. Like, I don't know how receptive to this style people are always going to be. So when, yeah, when think- you when you saw this therapist, what, how did you react? Uh, I thought it was I. I liked, I liked her in a way. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, she, like I was about to say, she, she doesn't call, she calls her on her bullshit, yep. you know? So that much and is she true. says, buy your, cause like what you said, but then she follows up with by your own description. Yes. You know? yes. So yes. it's like, it's like, I'm not calling you this. Right. This is what you've, you, re- you this said is what you've related your, to me. Yeah, that's so right. yeah, I, so yeah, I think, and, and my therapist is like that too, which is like, I really appreciate. I need somebody mm. to hold my feet to the fire a little bit sometimes, so, sure. but she's all, you know, but had you know we're again we only saw five minutes so we, yeah you know we don't know what was going to continue after that that's so true it, that's true yeah I think uh, you know but I think for you know especially when she when she said but what's the point of you you know what you're gonna do well which <laughs> is a really fair question I thought um, because for a therapist to say you already know what you're gonna do well mm. shouldn't that that's the logical response from the patient of like well then why do I need to see you what what's the point of you true um. Because if if everyone already knows what they're going to do, are they just coming to a, a therapist for reassurance, for comfort, or for confrontation? Um, because she pretty much asks the therapist, can you just tell me what to do not to get arrested? Right. Right. Um, so I don't get arrested. <laughs> How do you get arrested for having sex with a priest? <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Um, and I certainly have interacted with patients where they do just want to be told what to do. And anytime I'm uh, as a therapist, I'm in that position. It's um, 
I, I don't necessarily, you already know what to do or you already know what you're going to do, but it is this sort of acknowledgement of, look, even if I told you what to do, the benefit that you experience for that is limited at best because mm. you and I are not going to work together forever. Right. And if you're only going to do something because I tell you to do it, the, that's not going to magically turn into intrinsic motivation. That's right. going to turn into you doing something because your therapist told you to. And once your therapist stops telling you to do things, you're going to go back to your old patterns of behavior. Yeah, I think well, like the one of th the thing that I really like about my therapist is that it's it's a collaborative effort. Yeah, you know, right. there's you know, she she may know what I'm going to do or what I need to do. Mm -hmm. She walks me through coming up with the come, following the path for myself. Nice, which yeah. is what I need. I need mm -hmm. to find the path, and she's it's like she's like you know, in Dungeons and Dragons, you have the dungeon master. He knows where everything is, and he can lead you. <laughs> down one path More or, or less, another. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's very much the same way, you know. It's just mm -hmm. with your life. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, it's tough because even if as a therapist you you want to sort of protect people from themselves, you also have to recognize that if you do things for them or if you um, force them to do things differently, um, it's not necessarily going to let them sort of make that change authentically and, and long lastingly, for example. Right. Um, I saw this all the time when I worked in addiction that, you know, we could punish people into not doing drugs, but once that threat of punishment's no longer there, mm -hmm. are they really gonna stick to doing what they are supposed to do, quote unquote. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's it you really have to make the decision. I mean, because yeah, I mean you can join a twelve step program by, you know, you know, if you you've you you got a DUI and the and the judge has told you to go do it is that really going to be the best option for you i mean it might be if you if you've also decided oh crap i'm at my last am i'm at, i'm at the end I, this is i've hit rock bottom i need to do this as opposed to someone saying you've got to do this now whatever okay i'll go you know it's you've got to take ownership that's right yeah and it's it's just a really interesting interaction i think and even to connect it to the mindfulness retreat um, you know, people can force you to do things differently or can like walk the path for you. They can make you be silent. They can make you do different coping skills. They can, um, tell you what to do or what not to do. But if, if there's not a uh, inclination on your own part, because you know, the consequences or because you want to change, you know, because of your own, uh, self-awareness, not necessarily because of things that have happened, um, externally, that's the only way things are going to change in a long lasting way. You know, I, I look at things like, um, crash dieting and mm. things like that, where, yeah, you might get the results you want for a short period of time, right. but is that a lifestyle that you're going to able, be able to maintain long-term? No. No, of course not. No. Um, and it's the same thing in some cases with things like mindfulness retreats where you might have a great weekend of silence and mindfulness. But if you go back and do your impulsive behaviors or whatever, then it's it's the mindfulness stays there. Mindfulness stays at the retreat. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like we're, it's like uh, it's like any other learning mechanism where, you know, you're going to learn these tools. If you yep. choose to if you find them useful, that's awesome. If they're if they work for you, great. If they don't put them away and, or, you know, maybe teach somebody else. Here's something I learned that might work for you. Didn't work for me, but it could work for you because mm -hmm. I did. It didn't work for me because of X, Y, Z, but you've got ABC, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, yeah. and it might help you. So, I mean, it's good to, I think it's good to learn all the tools. 
if if they're useful tools, but you know, and everybody's got their own set of useful tools. Yeah, and and to the extent that Fleabag is coming into therapy for the first time, you know, and for anybody going into therapy the first time, like these are normal questions. I think people uh, are have the sort of normal reaction of, oh, you know, just just tell me what to do so I can not have to deal with this problem anymore, so I don't have to be depressed anymore. Like just get just help me get out of this. You know, when I've worked with parents, it's like, they don't say this, but the implication is like, can you just fix my kid? Can you just do whatever you magic thing you want to do and make it so I don't have to deal with this problem anymore? And very frequently, the the solution is actually the parents need therapy as much as the kids do. And that's how we can kind of circle back to Fleabag, right? Because this is a dysfunctional family Hmm. that has led to these dysfunctional behaviors. Um, whether it's dad's, you know, attempt to connect with his children by sending them to feminist lectures or <laughs> buying things for them, um, or the, the daughter's sort of weird attempts to connect with each other, but, you know, under the surface, a genuine affection for each other. Right. You know, there's, there's real opportunities here for growth if they're willing to do the work. Right. Yeah. I think I, you know, and, and I don't know if dad does what he does in an effort to the thinks he's honestly, I think. I think uh, um, Godmother has put him all up to these things uh, sure. and in it's a way possible. to keep distance because mm-hmm. she obviously does not like the girls. Uh, she likes Claire more than Fleabag, of course, but uh, yeah, I think a lot of this comes from her and, you know, and it keep, keeps them separated from dad. She wants to mm-hmm. occupy dad. Yeah. That's a yep. whole other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we could do a whole another oh episode God, on the, Olivia just Col- the family therapy that would be necessary here. Yeah. Oh my God. And Olivia Coleman is so great in that role. No, yeah. uh, you just—I mean, you—it's one of those you love to hate her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, from the moment you meet her, and and you meet her through Fleabag's eyes, obviously, where it's like. You can't totally tell if this woman is for real is like or is she just being like intentionally antagonistic towards Fleabag and and or is it just like no this is just this is just her this is the kind of person that she is and it's like wow well you kind of get why uh Fleabag is uh, as down on her as she is right yeah and a lot of backhanded compliments and you know it was like it, it seemed I think obvious insults. yeah <laughs> I, 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 well yeah, i mean but it is oh you look so i mean it, like the whole thing at the funeral where she looked too pretty mm-hmm. and you know it's just everything just there she could do nothing right no matter yeah. what she tried but yeah, de- yeah there was definitely some hard i mean the part i love the part where she finally slapped her <laughs> and mm-hmm. but dad saw it and didn't do anything and i just i just want to throttle him <laughs> because I, he just he, he was so I don't know what the right word is. He was just so detached from it all that it just yeah. He feels pretty broken throughout this this right. show. So you don't I'm, see much of a, an emotional turn from him. And you know he his his wife has died. Right. So for him being stuck in this sort of depression phase of um you know of the you know stages of grief, there's no question that you know or maybe maybe even bargaining a little bit with him trying to make his daughters feel better and jumping into this new relationship he's trying to find a way to make what he's experienced okay and is clearly still struggling with it i think that's why we see him really struggle to like have a genuine emotional moment right yeah it's he's he's definitely i mean when i when i was saying that's very british very british yeah. old guy i mean and he's uh, the actor is really scottish you could hear that in mm-hmm. his, in his voice uh but yeah uh, he, it's very much, you know, it's that you got, you got to not show any emotion and, you know, it's, he it was always just very, well, you know, um, you're my daughters. And that, and mm-hmm. that was the extent of, 
you know what he was trying to say was, I love you girls so much and you're, you're a part of my life, but it was just like, you're my daughters and there's, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, I, you know, I'm an old guy, you know, I'm 50 years old and I've tried, I try so hard to be in touch with my emotions, especially with my mm. kids. Yeah. And it's, it was really frustrating for me to watch him be that way with his. So I, 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 uh, I, I felt, I did feel, while well, I felt sympathy for him. I still felt anger at him about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because you, 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 you see what the girls are going through and you just sort of wish that there was some extra support, some extra guidance, some extra presence that they obviously needed. Right. Um, as they went through this, this grieving process that they're still going through. And, and yeah, but that's, I think sometimes, and maybe we can now, we can, as we sort of wrap up today's episode, sure. we'll talk a little bit about our own sort of experiences in light of this show. Um, you know, I think one of the reasons the grieving is so hard is that frequently the people that we lean on for support are also experiencing this grieving process. Um, you know, I know for me, when I think back to um, my uh, my grandma, my Nana passing away, this is a couple years ago now, and the person or the people that you would go to to talk about feeling sad or, or feeling uh, upset or, or frustrated or whatever the emotion is, it's like, well, I would talk to my mom or I would talk to my wife or I would talk to my siblings. And it's like, well, I mean, they're all going through this too. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to pile stuff right. on them. Um, so th I think there's this experience of, um, well, we'll all just kind of put a brave face on and just try to get through this as best we can. Right. Um, and this is not a criticism of anyone in my family. I think we, we did frankly an incredible job in, in, uh, you know, my Nana was very sick and, and we helped her kind of get through that process as best we could together. And then we were certainly there for each other, um, in the aftermath of all that. But I just think that this is, this is a common experience for people, which is how do we talk about this in a way that's not going to make us feel bad ourselves or feel bad for the other people who we know are also going through this experience. Yeah. It's, uh, it's good if you, I mean, even if, even if you're afraid of burdening them, I, th I think it, it's at least good if you can commiserate, you know, yeah, <laughs> and, sure, share, sure. and share yeah. and share that. I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's kind of a part of the purpose of family and friends is you can share a burden together. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think uh, that's really what it comes down to. And, you know, whether it's finding, you know, finding your happiness, you know, uh, and, and therapy, if that's what it requires, then sure. definitely do that. I mean, mm -hmm. seek that out. I mean, it, you know, and you don't have to be going through a crisis <laughs> to, to do that. It's good. It's good to, you know, to keep to, uh, it's maintenance, some self maintenance is yes. always good. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's funny you say that. I've been I've been doing a little experiment on my my personal Twitter this month. Um, just sort of reframing mental health questions. If you want to check it out, you can follow me at Engelsry E N G E L S R Y. And one of the questions I posed was, you know, we have very like clear markers for when like oh I should go see a doctor. It's like well fever is over a hundred or uh, sore throat for a couple of days or um, you know sore muscles or bones or bad bruises or things or upset stomach or nausea for a couple of days. Oh you know what I should probably go get checked out by a doctor. Mm. Like those are clear identifiable things that if we're experiencing the symptom we should go check get checked out. And there's not the same clear markers for mental health. And I think this is one of the reasons why people delay in months and in some cases years before getting help because it's like, ah, I mean, this is probably normal, right? This, you know, everybody gets a little down sometimes. 
But the reality is, is that sometimes, especially in these big life stage transition things, that just get an evaluation, just get get a checkup, sure, yeah. just like you would with a doctor. Right. You know, and I, the examples that I gave in my my Twitter question were like, if you lose your job, if you lose a relationship, if you uh, move, if you uh, lose a close friend or family member or a loved one, it it needs to be normal. Okay, you know what? I, I think I'm doing okay, but I'm just gonna go. You know, my local mental health clinic. I'm just gonna get an evaluation. Just check on how I'm coping, or check on what my emotions have. And maybe if I start talking about this stuff, like maybe I'll realize I'm more sad than I thought, mm. and then maybe I could benefit from a couple sessions. I just think that that's if we started looking at these sort of big life events that everyone experiences as opportunities to get a checkup. I think that can prevent a lot of whether it be unhealthy coping skills or impulsive behaviors from setting in and becoming more normal like Fleabag does. Very much so. I mean, especially, you know, you get guys my age, uh, you know, especially especially guys that are my age. Yeah. That's like, yeah. you know, they don't, They it's like, oh, that's sissy stuff, you know. No, it's, I mean, it's it, one, they, mental and, and physical play a part of each other and your brain is physical actually. <laughs> so you need to take care of it. And it's important to talk about these things and normalize them. And I just, you know, I can't, I can't stress enough to, especially women will take care of themselves. They'll talk to people. I mean, even if it's not a therapist, they, they will try to talk to somebody generally speaking. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, guys, you know, even if, even if you don't want to, if, if you have a friend you can trust, you know, find a friend you can trust, you know, <laughs> and, you know, yeah. at least, you know, get help. I mean, even if you don't need help right now, talk to somebody, it's good. To, it's good to let that out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and talk, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's yeah. feelings are not a bad. Thing. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. And, and I think that's a good lesson for Fleabag and maybe a good lesson for us to, to wrap up our episode today, Dean. So, um, before we do that, why don't you uh, share with the listeners a little bit about uh, Podskewer or or any other projects that you're working on? So the listeners have a sure. good sense of well, before uh, we where else they can find before you. Before we so, totally, but before oh, we yeah. close oh, up, sure. I want to, I wanted to, I wanted to find Other out your ranking too. system. Yeah. What, you, what, what, you, what were you, what were you going to do for your ranking on this? Oh, we, oh my uh, goodness! You know, I'm, I'm so out of, uh, <laughs> I'm so out of practice. Okay, so yes, um, and you don't so have Mike here, so for, at least I, I'm trying to keep you on top. <laughs> man, Mike's going to be mad. Okay, so for Fleabag, yes. Yeah, so let's do our rankings. Um, so I'm going to do out of five hamsters. Um, guinea pigs, damn it. I'm gonna do out of five I was, guinea pigs. I was gonna do guinea pigs. Hamster, <laughs> guinea pig, gerbils. Um, it's, it's hard not to, it's hard to resist because it's Hillary the guinea pig and it's, right. I never had a guinea pig going up, but if I did, I would have wanted one like Hillary. Um, <laughs> so I give this a five. I mean, it, a lot of this stuff is extreme, but all of it for me felt clearly within the realm of reality. Um, at no point did I feel like if this was exaggerated or, um, unrealistic in terms of a, um, and it's an intense grief and, and mental health response, but I don't think it's a unrealistic one. And, you know, the experiences that, um, Fleabag has in therapy and even on the mindfulness retreat to certain extents are all, uh, very real. So it doesn't mean that they're, uh, always perfect. But I think they're real, and I think that's that's my job is to sort of uh, rank on on the scale of you know how accurate this is. So I get five <laughs> out of five guinea pigs to flea bag. 
All right. Well, in this case, in that case, since you took the guinea pigs, I'm uh, and I'm I'm ranking on how well I liked it. I yes. I will. I'm going to give it five wall penises. The sex exhibition. Nice. <laughs> it was it, it, this from from something that came up of a, from a ten minute idea uh, to come into this show. It's brilliant. I mean, it's yeah. heartfelt. It's hilarious. It'll make you cry. I mean, it's got it runs the gamut of emotions. I mean, it's but it's so good. And I mean, I can't imagine somebody watching it and not liking it. I mean, it it was really it's really real, really really well done. And uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge has done an amazing job building this out. And actually, I think she's got her uh, she's got a couple of her sisters working with her on this on doing music and art for the uh, for the show. So bravo. <laughs> yeah, kudos to all of them. It's a fantastic show. Yeah. Can't wait for season three. Oh, yeah. So can't wait now. Give it to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, uh, yes. Yeah. For So for me, I uh, so you can hear me uh, blab a lot uh, with my buddy Don on Podscure. Uh, and if you just look at Podscure podcast, you'll find us out on uh, all the places, the apples, the Spotify, et cetera. And then uh, we because we what we do on there is we try to find uh other independent podcasters and see what makes them do what they do. Uh, it's not really a review show. It's really kind of getting to know everybody because that's what, we, that's really what it's about. It's, we want to, we want to make that, we, we, we like this community of independent podcasters. We, we think it's important to keep the, keep the group alive and not everybody is a, a Joe Rogan or a Conan O'Brien <laughs> or whoever uh, that's, you know, some celebrity that comes in and automatically gets the number one spot. <laughs> so, and then my other one is, a podcast called How Are You Now, which is a podcast about the Canadian TV series Letterkenny, which you can find on Hulu, and you can find us uh, on all the places as well. And uh, it's been a lot of fun doing How Are You Now, and that that just it was a little podcast that we thought was just going to be our friends listening to it because it was just a tiny little show out of Canada, and then it yeah. has just exploded. <laughs> and so we're really excited about how things are going with that. Fantastic. And that's something that I have committed and I'm, I'm committing on, on our podcast now to make sure to hold myself accountable that I will be coming on. Um, how are you now? Some point in the near future, I hope. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. How's that uh, for commitment? Um, yeah, I, I'll take that. I'm writing it down as well. And <laughs> you can't delete that MP3 file. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right. Well, um, Yes. Uh, fantastic talking to you, Dean. Thank you so much for coming on today's episode and and more in the future, I'm sure. Oh, I, I, yeah. M- many, many more until until Mike's ready to come back and we will uh, we'll hold down the fort with. <laughs> much appreciated. All right. So to wrap up today, uh, I want to say thank you again to Dean. We also must thank Kevin McLeod and his music, which he graciously, graciously lets us use. You can find Kevin McLeod's music on incompetech.com. So thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Dean. And um, everyone, please stay tuned for my closing thoughts. And with that, uh, thanks, everybody. And now for some closing thoughts on the BBC show Fleabag. Grief is something that we all have to deal with. 
but it's not something that we all deal with in the same way. So it's incredibly important that we not judge ourselves for the ways that we experience and cope with grief. It's okay to cry out loud. It's okay to cry quietly in private. It's okay to not cry at all. However you deal with grief, though, it must be dealt with. It must be um, appropriately acknowledged. Otherwise, it will never resolve. We see Fleabag engage in impulsive and sometimes even dangerous behaviors to perhaps distract herself from these feelings. But that does not make these feelings go away. And only until she starts engaging in uh, healthier behaviors and healthier relationships do we start to see some positive improvement. So, and we emphasize this in the episode, obviously, but if you lose someone, especially someone close to you, uh, like Fleabag does, please seek out therapy. At least get an evaluation. It can only help. You know, and if, if not therapy, there are excellent support groups available. Um, there are online forums. Get help. Um, find a place where you're comfortable sharing your feelings and let those feelings exist in the real world. There, I, we promise that it won't be a prison that you will get trapped in with them, but that they will flow naturally the way they are supposed to. Thank you, as always, to my co-host, Mike Graham. Take care of yourself. Come back soon. Thank you, Dean, for filling in with us today. You can find Pop Psych 101 on all uh, listening platforms. Um, if you like the show and you want to help us spread the word, please give us a review on iTunes. And with that, thank you, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>